This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to season six of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined, as usual, by my special Texas friend. He is the executive strategist at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is Mr. Adam Brown. Adam, what do you know today, my fine friend? Well, I know a lot. Uh, I know that I am busy this week and next as we kind of get ready for some PTO for you and for me. I know I am also in desperate need of a service that we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Uh, Some would call this, from a colloquial standpoint, me needing to get my ears lowered. But I like to think of it as getting... Oh, I thought you were going to... I thought this was like a Tinder type of an episode or something like that. I was going to get real concerned about Mrs. Brown there for a second. I wasn't really sure where you were headed with the segue. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. Scandalous. That was a little little cliffhanger there, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It really was. We're going to edit that so there's like a 30-second pause and get people really wondering uh, what's, what's happening there. That's right. No, but I got. I got to get. I, I'm serious about this. This is not just as as part of a, a teaser for uh, for our next guest. But I need a haircut. You you do need a haircut. And our guest on the show today, Mr. Aaron Grote, who is a digital strategist at Great Clips, uh, may not be able to handle that personally. I don't know no. how good he is with scissors, but he's damn fine with a keyboard. Aaron, welcome to Social sure Pros. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Adam. Adam, are you a haircut procrastinator? I am. I am. And it, it was really hitting. As, as I said, I'm about to go on PTO and I'm, uh, my girlfriend and I are about to go to, uh, to Nashville uh, and see my folks. And of course, my folks, every time they see me, uh, it's your hair is too long. <laughs> They're fairly conservative as it, as it relates to the grooming department. Living here in Austin, <laughs> Texas, you know, keep Austin weird, keep a little hippie. Uh, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not big fans of uh, the hairstyles. Nice. Aaron, you... I think we should do it this way. I, I want you to describe for the Social Pros audience just how large Great Clips is. Because when I was doing research for this episode, and it was big, and you guys have a NASCAR and everything else, but it's, it is a big company. Why don't you frame it up for folks? Yeah, actually, we get that a lot, Jay. So we have about 4,200 locations across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, we're 100% franchise-owned, so those are all franchise locations. So that's like as many restaurants as Burger King has or more. You're like Burger yeah. King with scissors. I mean, that is a serious operation. It's a billion-dollar haircut empire. And tell us how it, how it works. You know, the franchise operation is always interesting because you in corporate can do some things. And then, of course, franchisees do some of their own things. How does it work with social and digital in terms of what you do versus what they do? Mm-hmm. So we try to do a lot on the corporate side. Um, I mean, you know, the three of us sitting here talking and you guys having a weekly podcast that covers, you know, strictly dedicated social media 
says a lot about how complicated it can be to do social media marketing right. So we do try to take on as much of that as possible for our franchisees uh, in terms of driving brand awareness, consideration, affinity, and actual measurable results. Um, what uh, that kind of frees our franchisees up to do is put the local face on the brand, and that's really what we focus on enabling, so that they don't have to try to figure out how to be a brand on social media, how to drive direct response, how to really um, convey our differentiators. Um, so that's kind of our approach. They don't have local accounts, and there's there's not a Facebook account for the great clips at 13th and Q. Uh, it, it's one brand account across the channels. So, so actually, we do have one brand Facebook page, for example, um, but we also use the uh, Facebook parent-child page relationship. Um, so all of our locations do have their own location Facebook page, which franchisees or their delegates can have access to if they request it. Do you syndicate content for them to put on that page, or they kind of go it alone? So we do um, currently have it set where our brand posts our publishing to pages. Um, we've kind of played with um, a few different strategies there uh, as different Facebook capabilities or different third-party tools have kind of come in and out. Um, our, our, our mindset right now is what we want to happen is brand content goes to your location page at least frequently enough to be a backstop uh, we know um, a lot of times, you know, for local business owners, maybe at first it seems like a great effective idea, um, then you figure out that this takes more time than I thought. Or <laughs> maybe you had a really great manager and now, um, you know, you're, you're kind of training in a new one and you don't want to dedicate that time. So we really want to make it possible for franchisees to experiment, to make up their mind, and to kind of come in and out as, you know, even as, as content becomes available. I'm, there's, for example, it's going to be easier for a lot of small business owners to come up with local content in the summer because that's where more community activities are happening and things. So we really do want to provide them with a backstop, um, but give them the space and freedom to, to post as they, as they please. One of the things that you mentioned in the pre-show conversation is that you come at social from an Instagram first mentality. And I think that's really fascinating. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yep. So when we're publishing our brand content, um, we, um, we, we do work with a, a, an agency of record uh, to, to produce most of that. And what we found is it's a lot easier to make um, content that has kind of an Instagram aesthetic work in Facebook, then vice versa. So um, when we're producing content, we, we are producing it for Instagram. Um, but then as appropriate, we are also publishing it to Facebook. And to that point, uh, Aaron, uh, yeah, I can assume that, you know, as you focus on your marketing and promoting, there's kind of a, it's kind of a trifecta, if you will. I mean, it's the intersection of style, convenience, and value, right? I mean, are those the kind of three key messages that you're, you're trying to share around Great Crips? Or is, for example, your activities on Instagram more about style and, and maybe perhaps, you know, on Twitter, more customer service and then Facebook, maybe you're talking about convenience. I'm curious how you kind of reconcile the social property with the, the message or is it a consistent message everywhere? That's a good question. So we actually focus a lot on our convenience driving differentiators on social media and in a lot of our marketing. Um, we, um, you, you, you know, we need to 
communicate our our capabilities around delivering great haircuts consistently great haircuts every visit but to be honest you're gonna look at reviews you're gonna ask friends um you're not necessarily going to take our word that we do great haircuts. You can find that out for yourself and you're going to. So while we do talk about that, um, it's an important message for us. A lot of our differentiators are around convenience, um, whether it's saving you time with online check-in, whether it's making sure you can get a consistent haircut uh, from location to location with our clip notes technology, um, those kind of things. Aaron, clip notes, I've, I've never heard of that. That sounds amazing. So what you're saying is you can uh, say, hey, I go to a different uh, Great Clips location when I'm on vacation or when I'm traveling for business, and there's some sort of database that tells the, each stylist like what kind of haircut I want. I've never heard of that before. It's amazing. Yes, you're actually pretty much right on. Um, when you come to a Great Clips salon, they're going to ask you, you know, for your name and your phone number, and that kind of creates a, a unique ID for you in our database. And uh, one thing that happens is at the end of your haircut, um, while you're checking out, the stylist actually enters um, in, in technical language what it took to give you the haircut you asked for. So when you come back the next time, no matter what Grey Clips location you're at, you can get the same haircut. Um, and, and it's stylists communicating to each other in you know their technical language. So you don't have to have that anxiety around, okay, how do I tell her what I had last time? right? Because that's a real thing for people, that, that anxiety. But if you know, and she's actually holding a piece of paper in her hand, um, exactly what to do to get the same haircut you got last time, um, then, then that really relieves that anxiety. One they always ask me, what, what number? Are you number four or five? I'm like, I don't know what my number is. I, I, you know, it's, it's your job to know that number. This is, I love this technology. I'm, fire, I'm yeah. fired up about it. Yeah, you absolutely shouldn't need to remember that, Jay. Um, and, and that's really the approach that we, we had when we built it. One interesting thing is we've spent a minute talking about this, right? And I've been talking, you know, kind of quickly. And so the challenge around conveying what it does, how, and the value prop behind that is how do you do that on social media very yeah. quickly in such yeah. an engaging way that it stops someone from scrolling, right? You need to catch someone's attention right away. It needs to be engaging. It needs to be entertaining. And you need to be able to convey it. What's actually a weirdly complex concept quickly and clearly. And so that, that's been fun and challenging to play with. You have said that you are spending maybe less time on Twitter now than you have in the past. Uh, and do you feel like that's because the dynamics of the platform have changed or what your audiences want have changed? What's, what's sort of been the, the driver of that? So I've been with Great Clips for about three years right now. And um, for, for us, you know, Twitter is always, has never had the, the penetration of Facebook or even Instagram within months of when it came out, right? Um, and, and so for us, looking at how we can make the most use of it, customer service has always been important on Twitter. But in, in terms of um, reaching an audience besides customer service with Twitter, uh, we kind of looked at who's using it uh, and, and where that overlaps with you know what we do. And for us, that was NASCAR. Um, we have had a, a, a long time sponsorship of Casey Kane, um, a driver in the Cup Series. And um, that has a, a disproportionately large reach into Twitter as a disproportionately large reach into NASCAR fans. And so um, instead of just trying to say the same things we're saying on Facebook to a small number of people on Twitter, uh, we really tried to focus on that audience there. And that's that's been our approach with Twitter. I guess I didn't realize that Twitter was so popular amongst NASCAR fans 
disproportionately. That's an, an interesting finding. Has has Casey Kane always been a driver for Great Clips? Has he always been your guy? Uh, yep, we we have had um, other drivers too, but we've been been with Casey for a long time. And actually, we just kind of uh, announced that at the end of this season, it uh, we'll, we'll be stopping that program. But it's been a been a great thing for us. Really active fans, really really loyal, um, fun to be a part of. Do you get to work with him and his team uh, in the off season? Well, there's not much of an off season in NASCAR, actually. But uh, do you get to to work with him to create some social content to do some uh, Twitter video or things along those lines? Yeah, we we have. Uh, we really try to focus around some of our our core campaigns. Um, some of the funnest things have actually not necessarily been consumer facing. Even um, for example, um, Stylist Appreciation Day. Uh, he always does something fun for us, and um, when they get their haircuts, they'll take videos from in the salon um we also um used nascar as a a big partner um platform um so for a few years we'd um partnered with the discovery channel uh and shark week they they were looking for kind of a, a quick in and out of nascar um to promote shark week and uh there were some really really fun uh, really dynamic partnerships that came out of that with, you know, Casey um, diving with sharks in his great clips dry suit. And <laughs> yeah. it, it seems like because your, your haircut, as Adam talked about in the open, is so personal, right? It's it's part of your brand identity in a very meaningful and obvious way. Adam wants his hair to be longer because he lives in Austin. Adam's mom wants his hair to be shorter because she doesn't <laughs> like that kind of thing. Uh, is there a is there a big opportunity here for user generated content for people to be taking selfies of their new great clips haircut? Is that is that part of the story here, or do you feel like hey let's let's do more of a cultivated set of images where we know the hair looks good and it's perfectly quaffed, etc. Yep. So we. We have um, played with user-generated content uh, a lot. Right now, um, it's not a big part of our our platform. Right now, we're really trying to focus on the differentiators like online check-in and clip notes. Um, partly because um, we know through you know testing, kind of with direct response format ads, that um, that it converts well. Right? Um, user-generated content was was great. Um, when we didn't necessarily have a paid strategy on Instagram. Uh, but now that we are paying to produce content and Instagram really has a richer set of, of you know, high converting features on it, uh, user-generated content isn't as big, uh, isn't really a big part of our, our current social strategy. Um, one f- funny note is that a lot of the times you get user, you know, user-generated content, it's, it's got pictures guys are taking in their car in the parking lot, which is um, less than useful. So yeah. So guys, great. next time you take that that haircut selfie, um, don't do it in the car. That's good advice right there from Aaron Grote, digital strategist at Great Clips. For all you selfiers out there, do not take your haircut selfie in the car. But I can p- completely understand that you're looking in the windshield or in the rear of your mirror like, yeah, man, I look pretty good. I should oh, selfie. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly that's really it. Fantastic. Uh, Aaron, do you... We, on this show, we talk a lot about paid, obviously, because it's so so important now. And we've had several conversations in the last few months about using lookalike audiences to to increase the number of people that you can reach in Facebook and Instagram and to a lesser degree, Pinterest and, and now LinkedIn. Does lookalike targeting work for you? If you've got a customer base that you can upload their email addresses using custom audiences and, and you say, look, I'm going to reach people who are similar birds of a feather to this. Does that work? Is that Do, do people who know one another 
um, are connected to one another in social, does that give them a higher propensity to go to great clips or is that type of targeting not valid for an organization like yours? So I believe it would be valid um, when it comes to um, trying to get specific with, with, with who we're targeting. Um, we actually kind of reserve that field for uh, what, what, what is a very rich um, CRM um, type marketing platform that we use. We're, we're actually a very broad reach brand, right? Um, psychographics, demographics, geography. Um, there's, there's a lot of different people who get their haircut from us. So we don't always need to get very specific, um, but we do have a, a high performing, um, very rich CRM based system that doesn't kind of get its way to look alike, but not through Facebook's yeah. tools. Is that sort of email, email, direct mail primarily? We are using um, display and social media for that. We're, we're not big on email. Interesting. Cool. Good to know. I think one of the other interesting things, Aaron, about about haircuts is you know the the recurring nature of of the service. You, know, you need a haircut about uh about every month, and and I know one of the things we were talking about a few minutes earlier was you looking kind of at the intersection of the content. You know, talking about style, convenience, value, all those those other messages. But I'm curious. If as when you're creating your marketing and social programs, you're also looking at kind of the uh, the goal or objective. My guess is because of the recurring nature, you want to make sure that you keep people who are coming to Great Clips now continuing to come about every month. You're probably always trying to create you know new audiences and new customers who who are maybe using a, a different salon or, or a different uh, kind of barbershop or somewhere kind of in the middle. And because you mentioned that you're you're a franchisee, you're, you're I mean you're a franchiser, and and have over four thousand uh, franchisers, you know, or owned uh, stores, you're probably always trying to recruit new new owners and new potentials. How do you kind of look at your objectives in those areas, and are you using different social platforms kind of to serve different functions? Yeah, you you nailed it. Um, and so everything you said, Adam, is right. What we're not doing is differentiating by platform, right? Every platform can do all of the things we want it to do. You know, broadly speaking, that's not 100% true. You know, we're not doing consumer marketing on LinkedIn. But with paid social and, and dark posts, we don't necessarily need to focus on one thing in any given platform. Um, it's we, we can have a, for example, we can have a cohesive Instagram feed um, while using dark posts to do kind of niche things with it, right? Whether, whether it's direct response, price point based, you know, ads, we can do that on Instagram without having them live in our profile. So we don't necessarily differentiate by platform. We just try to do the best thing for each objective we have. Um, sometimes we have seasonal campaigns um, early in the year. Um, we're doing a lot of sports-based advertising with traditional media that we tie into with social media really heavily. It's a, they're highly integrated campaigns. Um, at the same time, we, we kind of have our, our ongoing day-to-day -day social media content that's being published alongside of that. But then that also continues after the, the sports campaign marketing is done. Um, back to school is a big time for us. Um, so we're, we're tying into um, our broader campaign there uh, while, while still continue our continuing our day-to-day -day strategy. Um, all of those things require different content 
um, themes, different formats, uh, whether it's um, direct response or video or image just for awareness. Uh, so we, or app downloads uh, for our online check-in app, we really just try to do the right thing with a post instead of limiting ourselves to any one thing on a platform. And you're kind of in an interesting spot while your focus is, is certainly social media and digital, but being part of a kind of a tight, cohesive marketing team there at Great Clips, my guess is that you're having to make a case for more budget or allocation coming towards uh, towards you. So curious how you kind of make that rationalization and also dealing with, in this case, thousands of, of, of franchisers or franchisees, do you have any, you know, you know, learning or trainings that you have to do with them to help them kind of understand where social is and, the, and what social is driving? Or have they pretty much immediately grasped the value of what you're doing and the value of those, those social channels that you described? Yeah, you brought up two really interesting and important points there, Adam. Uh, so I'll kind of start with the first, which is uh, working with the broader marketing team. Uh, you're right, as digital strategists, social media is uh, just one of the things I'm responsible for. Uh, we have a pretty lean internal structure uh, and we all work very closely together, which is really helpful when you're trying to, like I said, just make the best decisions for any one campaign or one objective. There's not, what I've kind of noticed is the usual um, you know, give me, give me kind of budget um, battles in our company, which is a huge blessing. Um, we really just work well together as a team to say, okay, here we are. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's who we're trying to talk to. Here's the time frame. Here's some context. What is the best thing we can all do? And as long as everybody at the table genuinely means it when they ask that question, uh, you kind of get uh, outputs like we do, where, uh, yeah, sometimes it's going to be heavy and social, sometimes it's not. And I'm, I'm good with that. I just want to do social when it's the right thing to do. Uh, and then second, you brought up the dynamic with, um, the, with having, you know, franchisees. Uh, and you're absolutely right that communication is, is key for us. We really want our franchisees to have confidence in what we're putting out there, um, to know that it is working, that it's driving traffic to their locations. And that doesn't happen automatically. You do have to work to it. So communication internally has to be a big part uh, from the beginning, from concept of, of how we work. You've talked a little bit about what you're doing, certainly on Instagram and Facebook, and you noted that that, uh, that Twitter is, is more of a customer service oriented platform for you. I'm curious, you know, as you look at kind of the, the next tier of those evolving social channels, Jay and I were, were so lucky, lucky to have Elisa Meredith on the show last week, who is an expert, not just on Instagram, but also Pinterest. And I bring up Pinterest because I can harken back to the days when I was a little kid in the barber shop, and they always had those big books. They always had like dozens and dozens or even hundreds of haircuts in it. And you would go in, you'd thumb through the book and say, okay, that's the haircut I want, haircut number 407B. And I started thinking, gosh, I bet there's some Pinterest boards somewhere that are just haircuts. And you know that becomes that kind of correlation with social to the old school. So I'm curious how Snapchat, I know you're doing some things, interesting things on Snapchat. How's the use of Snapchat and, um, and, and video and things like that? Are those things that you're considering with Great Clips? And certainly with Snapchat, are you having success with it? 
So I'll start with Snapchat and then move to Pinterest. For us, uh, Snapchat is not an organic play. Um, when we have used Snapchat, we've used Snap ads and we've used um, sponsored geofilters. Um, we, we have liked that. We've always done it kind of as part of a broader campaign. Uh, so whether it's um, college basketball playoffs or uh, football playoffs, uh, the content we're producing for Snap ads is tied into those campaigns. We, we have been happy with it. They're not the cheapest impressions you're going to get, um, and their reporting is less mature than you know some of the older platforms like Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but we've been happy with it, and I see us doing it again. Um, but like I said, that is not going to be an organic play for us. Um, you kind of learn from the the maturation cycles of other platforms that, in the end organic isn't isn't going to be a, a long-term thing even if it, you can make it work at the beginning so we're really just focusing on the paid with snap with pinterest um it's much it's it's changing fast right um a lot more ad formats a lot more reporting abilities and its demographics are changing um they guys really are, are getting into it more yeah. um so pinterest hasn't been a big platform for us it isn't right now um i'm always looking at it and kind of keeping an eye on when the scale of what we can achieve with it can justify uh, the costs that we would you know need to invest to do it right um, so it's definitely on my mind not currently doing it I, I think a lot of uh, folks a lot of our listeners are, are probably thinking about that too uh, as you said the demographics of the Pinterest user dramatically changing Pinterest is offering new and really exciting uh, paid uh, placement opportunities. And that was one of the things that, that Elisa talked about uh, uh, last week. I do want to talk about one more uh, thing, and that is the, the Twitter and the customer service before I hand it back over to, to Jay. It's a, it's a topic that, that Jay, and I, Jay and I often talk about here. And I know it's a, a specifically interesting one for you being a, kind of in a franchisee, franchisor type of, of relationships. Um, last week, I, I had the lucky fortune of being with, with one of our Salesforce uh, social studio customers, a large, uh, a large uh, uh, quick dining uh, leisure restaurant chain. And, you know, they deal with hundreds of queries and questions that come in from customers over Twitter. And because they're a, a, a franchisor like you, you know, there are things that they can or can't answer. For example, they can't talk about employment uh, of, of people in the individual stores. There's, there's federal laws kind of regulating that. So they have to kind of create that protocol that helps them be able to talk to the individual franchise owner who then gets it down to the general manager and the manager and the actual employee. I'm curious you know, in your situation, how you kind of manage social customer care on behalf of the Great Clips franchisees and kind of how that, that workflow looks like when you have people who have either, you know, uh, customer you know, complaints or, or compliments. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a, I'm really glad you brought it up. Customer service is a, a huge um, focus for us. It's a huge part of, of my job. Um, with When you're a franchisor, there's kind of two important aspects of customer service that are almost at odds with each other. On the one hand, um, you want to be as convenient for the customer as possible. If you, if it's possible, make something a one-stop issue um, where they can just send a couple of tweets or a couple of Facebook messages um, and get it done, that's the ideal. At the same time, um, it's, it's our approach that a customer connecting with the person that owns that location around a customer service issue is 
that's the most effective way to do it. They're going to feel um, so paid attention to when the owner is talking to them. Um, but what that does is it adds this this delay onto it, right? We're not going to have every franchisee using you know the Great Clips brand Facebook page messenger account right so do you get things done as fast as humanly possible for that customer or do you give it a little bit of a delay and connect them with that owner our current approach is to connect them with that owner um, so we definitely want to make sure um, no one feels like they're um, just being put off or talk, talking to a robot um, we need to be empathetic and we need to um, set expectations with them at the same time we're making a conscious choice not to reach a resolution with them in that first exchange and that's 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 always a hard decision to make and we're always looking at it and questioning that um, that's where we're at right now um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it if if I I'm always looking for ways to make that resolution faster and more convenient for customers um, but I don't ever want to lose that really personal touch of talking to that local owner. Aaron, you talked about uh, Instagram being a big part of your program on the marketing side. Are you seeing an increase in Instagram customer service opportunities as well? Yes. Um, what I what I don't have is a, a way to really effectively uh, handle that. Um, our, our current tool that we're using, for example, if someone's commenting on one of our posts, um, we're 100% capable of, of seeing that and, and within our, our monitoring tool uh, replying to that. Um, that's not how a lot of them happen. With something as visual as a haircut, people are reaching out to us with um, unique posts. They're tagging us in their post and that's not, that kind of engagement isn't something our, our current tool can bring can in and handle. Yeah, yeah so um, what we're what we're, we've done is not actually engage in any customer service on Instagram because if we can only catch 20% of it, uh, we don't want to set. We don't want people to cruise our Instagram profile, see comments, you know, customer service comments in our po in posts on our posts, in comments on our posts, yeah. and expect that if they tag us in a photo, we're going to be able to find a reply to that. That's a false expectation we'd be setting. So we're just choosing not to engage in customer service on Instagram right now. Uh, that's a hole for me. Uh, it's a tool problem. Um, tools cost money, and so. It's it's always something we're going to be trying to fix. Uh, I want to make sure when we begin doing customer service on Instagram, we're doing it right and really meeting customer expectations. Well, Adam said that he needs a haircut and he's got some tools. So maybe you guys could work out some sort of a barter program. Hey, I like this. I like this. My mom will like this. I'll tell you that. Yes, yes. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, maybe not so much, but your mom's going to be psyched. I'm a connector. I'm here to help. That's what I do. Speaking of Salesforce Marketing Cloud folks, we want to thank them for their sponsorship of Social Pros, the podcast now in season six, 275 episodes. You can get all of those at socialpros.com. All the archives, all the audio clips, all the links to great resources, including uh, the new ebook from Adam and his team at Salesforce Marketing Cloud, 50 Standout Best Practices for Social Media Marketers, talks about ways to do social listening better, talks about ways to measure your progress better, talks about ways to uh, create content better, do better paid, etc. Grab it today. Go to cnc.ly slash get social ebook. That's cnc.ly slash get social ebook. The show this week is also brought to you by our friends at Yex, the leaders in mobile marketing solutions. 
Not too long ago, myself and Jeff Roars, who's the CMO of Yex, collaborated on a new ebook called How to Become an Everywhere Brand. Everywhere Brand is, is what we're calling the circumstance now that we all find ourselves in, whereby our brands, our companies actually live in hundreds of different places online, well beyond our own website, our own apps. Uh, your brand is being represented in a lot of different places, some of which you're probably not even familiar with. And you've got to keep your story straight and your data straight in all those places. This new ebook will show you what that's all about. It's going to be a big trend in the next year. You should grab it today for free at offers.yext.com slash everywhere brand. That's offers.yext.com slash everywhere brand. And if you're driving, you're mowing the lawn, you're figure skating, you missed some of those, just go to socialpros.com. Look for Aaron's name, Aaron Grote, G-R-O-T-E, that episode, and you will find all the resources you need. Adam, back to you. Jake, Jay, thank you so much. And Aaron, uh, Aaron Grote, a digital strategist for Great Clips. It is Great to have you on uh, on the Social Pros podcast today. Thank you so much. I kind of want to dig into your your past a little bit, and you have just a distinguished uh, past. Uh, you were like formerly active. I know you're never a former Marine, but you're a formerly <laughs> active uh, Marine for the United States. So thank you uh, for your service to to our country. But I'm I'm curious in your in your role. I think you were an MP. Curious how you know your experience uh, with the Marine Corps. Your experience in that organization, you know, it helped kind of hone uh, certainly your, your your discipline and things like that, but more importantly, your communication skills, because certainly the way that things are discussed and shared in a military setting, probably very different than in a kind of corporate or a more conversational setting that, that we're used to in social media. But I'm my, my guess is you probably picked up some amazing skills and insights from, from leaders that you worked uh, there in the Corps with. You're right. And thank you, Adam. Um, you actually nailed it on the head. Uh, the skills and experience that the Marine Corps gave me are weirdly transferable to what I'm doing right now. Uh, and a lot of it is through communication abilities. Um, when I was in, I was in a very active, experienced unit. And so a lot of what we did was training people in other countries uh, to do you know what we do and i had opportunities to do that in ukraine um, in iraq morocco and uganda and what you end up getting into is situations where it's you with 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 a pretty complex you know idea whether it's a strategy or a tactic or or a way to organize your your team or to you know work together so some pretty complex things that you need to communicate and oh by the way these people standing in front of you probably don't even speak English, right? Maybe you have a translator. Uh, maybe you have an informal translator who speaks kind of what I came to think of as MTV English. Um, so you, you, you t you're talking to these, these people, and it's through visual communication, through body language, through verbal, um, written and spoken communication, um, trying to convey complex ideas um, relatively quickly and very clearly. And earlier we talked about, um, for example, how difficult it is to convey the idea of clip notes in a social post. It has to be engaging, it has to be fast, and it has to be clear. Uh, and that actually, uh, the experience I had in the Marine Corps training uh, people who don't even speak the same language as me in complex ideas in a relatively limited period of time, uh, really helps me kind of wrap my head around that challenge. 
I never really thought about that, but you're exactly right. Uh, you know, the point of being articulate, of being concise, uh, of, of, of brevity is, is so critical, critical for any marketing and communications and, and certainly uh, with, with social media. As, as you mentioned, uh, being in different parts of the world, did you have any opportunity to kind of understand how they interacted with, with social media, how they interacted with marketing types of, of messages and any comparisons to, to kind of what you see, at least here uh, back, back in the United States? So in my military travels, not so much. When I traveled with the Marine Corps, I would... I, how, I guess I would say maybe the places I went to didn't have a thriving consumer market. Um, that uh, the, the kind of stability that we were trying to to achieve there is is would would interest be not really huge in Uganda is what you're saying. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's just uh, I, I don't think it quite as much spare change floating around in people's no doubt uh, lives there. Um, you know, in, in personal travels, yes, um, it, that's not so much the 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 kind of qualities I. I, I derived from my, my travels, though. Sure. One last kind of question around that topic before I hand it back to, uh, to Jay. Um, you know, certainly, I know one of the things that's near and dear to your heart and, and may even stem from uh, some of your military service is, 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 is causes and, and cause marketing. Um, I know that's, that's something that Great Clips has is, is, is been very, uh, very uh, kind of avid in, and it sounds like you as well. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing in the philanthropical uh, realm around cause marketing and even cause social cause marketing, the social there being kind of a double entendre for, for social as well as social media. <laughs> I know Great Clips does a lot with the Greatest Generations Foundation, um, and I'd love to hear a little bit of, of your discussions about, about that. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I'm glad you saw and liked that. Uh, it, it, you're right. It is important to me. It's important to our company uh, in a real way. Um, there's... We really um, value that partnership and the opportunity to to work with them. Um, so, um, for those of you who haven't heard of the Greatest Generations Foundation, uh, it started as an organization dedicated to World War II veterans to give them the opportunities to number one get their stories told and archived, uh, and and two actually bring them back, like fund trips to to the places that they served, um, like the beaches of D-Day, um, or uh, it, for example, uh, around our last Veterans Day campaign, it was the 75th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, and we uh, had the honor of sponsoring a few dozen um, veterans of that attack uh, returning to the really elaborate uh, ceremony that our country had to honor them and thank them and remember that day. Um, so that's that's been a long partnership, an ongoing partnership for us. It's it's really rich um, with opportunities to tell amazing stories and and make a difference in people's lives. What an amazing story and, and an amazing program. Yeah, and I think Jay, I don't want to speak for you, but we should definitely create a, a link to the Greatest Generations Foundation in our in our show notes because. Uh, it is it is a a, a a fantastic program and for and for a generation of of respected people who you know are not going to be with us forever mm -hmm. and they are um they are transitioning to to try to do the same thing for veterans of of other conflicts um they used to be the greatest generation foundation now they're the greatest generations foundation and so uh really excited to see how they can bring that uh that value to other people aaron you have wanted to do this for a long time like you you have wanted to be in digital and you you made 
some great personal sacrifices and some hard decisions to get into this industry. Uh, I want you to talk about that a little bit because it is a pretty amazing story and one that we don't typically hear on this program. Uh, somebody who said, look, I'm going to go take a step back in order to take a step forward and, and, and create a career for yourself in this industry. And you've certainly done that. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. You know, it n- never seems like that when you're in the middle of it. But, you know, once that transition was had happened, you kind of look back and you think, oh, my gosh, what, what did I do? Um, so I had uh, a good job um, with good people. Um, at a good place and it was, was paying well. Uh, what I it was in recreation and hospitality, so I liked it and it met all of my needs. What I knew though is it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do forever. Um, so actually, after um, a little bit of experience in a political campaign that I volunteered on, I realized that wow, this is a really dynamic, fast-changing, exciting, interesting uh, field I, that I really wanted to get into. Uh, so um, I kind of just started right and um after after learning kind of on the volunteer job in that political campaign i pretty much just opened a few browser tabs and went through chamber of commerce uh web pages uh cold calling business people and i think after my third entire chamber of commerce um list i i got to someone who said yes and that then i just kind of went from there um you you just keep learning, keep doing uh, good work, um, which really starts with listening. Um, and uh, eventually, just kind of through word of mouth, built a, a, a healthy side freelance uh, career. But I hit the point where I knew that working, you know, a lot of hours in it, a lot of unpredictable hours in kind of recreation and hospitality there uh, was really limiting how much I could grow um, my my career in social media and digital marketing. So I, I had to make a decision. What I decided to do was um, get a job where uh, where I could dedicate more hours to it, where I could have a more predictable schedule. Um, but my wife was going through her master's degree program at that time, so I also couldn't t- take a pay cut. So I needed to make as much money um, working better hours. Um, and turns out the best way to do that is get a job not a ton of people necessarily wanted to do, which was being a jail guard. Uh, And so I quit a job I liked um, with people I liked, doing something I liked where I liked, uh, and became a jail guard. I was working nights there, uh, which really let me um, dedicate the daytime to to building my my freelance social and digital marketing career. Um, Eventually, that led to uh, some connections that brought me to Great Clips, um, which is is a perfect company for me. It's a values-based company. It's a growing company. It's a a very dynamic internal culture. Um, And and so I'm I'm very lucky that happened. I uh, like to tell people I'm glad I was a jailer for a couple of years. I'm glad I wasn't a jailer for longer. I have a ton of respect for the people who can make a career out of that, who have the emotional and mental endurance to do that. I, I did not. Ironically, a place where most haircuts are the same was the place that actually <laughs> propelled you to a career at Great Clips. It's, uh, it seems hard to believe. Uh, thank you for sharing that story, Aaron. And you and I have something yeah. in common. My last job before I got involved in the internet uh, was as the spokesman for the Department of Corrections. So you and I uh, have, have both spent spent some time. I, I was never guarding. I was uh, making sure that the media knew the true story, but I spent uh, spent a little time uh, myself, and that was my last non-internet job as well. That's fascinating. 
I think that has the I think that has the effect on people. Once you've spent a bunch of time in prison, you're like, you know what? It seems awesome. A laptop right now seems a a, a career <laughs> online seems amazing right about now, uh, and 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 here we are. Aaron, I'm going to ask you the two questions that we've asked every single guest on this show since the very beginning. Uh, the first one is if if you could give people one tip, people who are looking to become a social pro, what would you tell them? I always like listening to people's answers to this question um, on your podcast. For me, it would be be useful to as many people as possible. I'm talking about people within your team. I'm talking about to people in other teams in your company. I'm talking about useful to your customers, to organizations you partner with. Uh, Social is just a pervasive part of our culture. And so for me, you can only know if you're really being maximally beneficial to your organization if your usefulness is also pervasive. And I love it. Well said. And last question for you, Aaron, if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Mm -hmm. I would say Sundar Pichai, um, Pichai, uh, the CEO of Google. I would like to have a conversation with him around the premise that, uh, so we create our tools and then our tools create us. Um, And for him, what are the ethics around that for him personally? after you've settled on that, how do you push those ethics to a company the size of Google? And then, like, kind of tangentially, how do you handle the the weight of that responsibility personally? I I think he this could apply to you know Mark Zuckerberg too, but yeah. how how do you deal with the fact that you're really shaping culture? everything? Yeah, for, everything. For, yeah, long term, like the actual structure of our human race, like how we work. That's funny. You think about that. You know, the big companies now. In tech, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Alphabet, even the second tier folks, Snapchat, Pinterest at some level, uh, really are shaping everything. Uh, Apple, of course, Microsoft. And you wonder, was that true in a different way a generation ago, right? Did, did people at, at CBS or Ford or General Electric feel that same kind of weight and responsibility I think no, because they weren't quite as pervasive, but, but I wonder, um, there's a, there's a book in there somewhere, uh, that somebody should write. Yeah. Yep. I know Google, at least at one point had a position called like chief ethicist. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, that, that's so such a deep topic to me. I would love to hear his thoughts on that. That'd be cool. Uh, a cool episode of the show. Just talk about social media ethics. We'll have you back on, Aaron, and uh, and and maybe we'll do a roundtable discussion uh, and do it via video on BeLive.tv or something like that. That'd be a fun uh, a fun format when I come back from vacation. We'll uh, we'll be in touch about that. I would love that. That'd be great. Aaron, congratulations on all the success uh, at Great Clips. Man, four thousand more than four thousand uh, franchise locations. Uh, I can't imagine uh, checking your inbox. Uh, I, don't, I don't want any part of that at all. Uh, when somebody in Tuscaloosa is like not happy with their Facebook ad, I, I God bless. Uh, that is a, not not, a, not an easy gig, uh, but you're doing an amazing job. Thank you for the time on the on the show today, and best of luck. Uh, make sure you hook up Adam uh, with his new haircut, and uh, he'll get you some tools. As well. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. I absolutely Thanks will. Thank you both. You bet. Our pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Big Social Pros Podcast. I'm always Jay Bear from Convince to Convert. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. We will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince to Convert. 
Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.